0: Hey, Will, before we start this episode, I wanted to remind our listeners about our exciting uh, Instagram uh, promotion. Campaign, yeah. Campaign, promotion. Yes. The Screw It Comics Insta Push. Right. Take any of, go to our Instagram account, take any of our panels and put it in your stories with the hashtag Screw It Instapush. We've already had, we think, 20 people added to our accounts and we're we want to get up we want to go up to a what is it like 1500 we're, we're closing in on 1500 subscribers yeah. so that that's what we're trying we, we to, want 30 more followers as of the recording of this episode so yeah so we, you can make that happen you can help with the screw it insta push take any of our panels put it in your stories uh that'd be a big help um we always mean to plug this at the beginning of the episode. We totally forget, and at the end of the episode, we remember, and that's why this isn't a cold <laughs> yeah, yeah. open. See if you can detect when we realize. <laughs> <laughs> we were subtle about it. See if you can notice when we make the realization we forgot to mention the screw to push and decide to record this cold, uh, this cold open. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but if you're paying attention to this yeah. episode, you will notice the moment where we... Uh, we, yeah. we Using our brother yeah. communication, realize we're going to record a call Also, there is no character named Madame Ape. It's Apex. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> uh, let's get on with the episode. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about, about comics. Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. The only podcast where two people talk about a thing they love, and that thing they love is comic books. I am one of the two hosts, slash brother, slash... Uh, sort of comedian, sort of human being, Kevin Hines. And i the other one of those things and less, Will Hines. And uh, you are catching us in the grand finale of our little mini-season of Squadron Supreme, covering the Squadron Supreme comic, which is the Mark Grunewald sort of realistic uh, look at sort of a Justice League analog team that came out in 1985 from Marvel, mostly drawn by Bob Hall, but also a few other people, and uh, we're covering the last three issues of that today. This is a grand finale of a world-famous coverage. You've probably, you know, there's probably been a lot of spoilers on Twitter mm-hmm. already talking about what our opinions are. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's gotten a lot of coverage overseas. It's a mm-hmm. little less coverage domestically, and I don't know why that is, but yeah. it's sort of tied in with the World Cup, I think, somehow. Yeah, I don't understand why. Yeah, Qatar. They're they're crazy about it in Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, uh, Qatar. I, I, Qatar? Uh, your guess is as good as All mine. All right, it starts with a Q. I know that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just it's something about it. I don't watch the World Cup. I don't really watch soccer or football, as they call it. Uh, but for some reason, Squadron Supreme is very integral to that sport. I guess. Yeah, people you'll hear in the stands. They'll go ole 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 Hyperion Hyperion. Yeah, I'm or sometimes they'll be like, Princess Power is more interesting than Wonder Woman. Princess wow. Power is more interesting than Wonder Woman. Like, there'll be takes and wow, stuff. Wow, yeah. yeah. It's an opinion yeah. coming through. Uh, Give mean, it a chance. There's yeah. a lot of exposition. Yeah. Let it grow on you. You'll like it. Check that's the kind of Screw stuff. It Comics coverage of these episodes right now. It's mm-hmm. like, that's very up to the minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They it's... don't like it as much as we do, right, but. Right. So this is a big deal. We're, we're, yeah, uh, it's a real big deal. That's our point. Uh, and yeah, we've covered the first nine issues. We're going to cover issues 10, 11, and 12, most likely in the second half of this episode. Yeah, that's right. And before we get to that, Kevin, okay. do you have, uh, anything you'd like to talk about? Cause this is one of our evolving segments. It's becoming mm-hmm. a segment where we talk about sort of like it's an un- movies and untitled, TV shows. an untitled segment, an untitled segment. Where we kind of touch base with like movies and TV shows and If we have superhero or superhero adjacent things, it's Mm -hmm. that. And if we don't, it's really kind of open to whatever we want. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're recording these in pretty rapid succession. So there isn't any new Marvel or DC or superhero stuff in the last few days. Right. Uh, We talked about Spectacular Spider-Man last week, which also wasn't new. So (laughs) uh, we were already probably running dry by that point. I just started reading the latest Brandon Sanderson novel. So I'm very excited about that. He's a fantasy author that I really yeah. enjoy. I've heard you praise him for a long time. Yeah. So, this is the latest uh, of his Mistborn series. Mm-hmm. And his Mistborn series uh, right now is seven books long. It was a trilogy, and now there is like a four book sequel series. <laughs> um, but what's interesting about his series compared to like George R. R. Martin or Robert Jordan, uh, who wrote 12, uh, Robert Massive. Jordan wrote a 12 book series, and George R. Martin is. Who's that? Uh, writing uh, Game of Thrones, mm. and it is question mark number of books. Right, um, at least <coughs> at least seven. Yeah, but also it just might be done because he doesn't seem yeah, to he really never be will working on it. The way these work is the first three are a complete story, and I'm not just like, oh, it's the end of an arc. Like that story is over and done, and then the next four books take place generations and generations and generations later, where those characters are the myths and legends and gods huh. that this generation sort of knows okay uh it is the equivalent of like julius caesar would be to us like if Hmm. the first book was about julius caesar the second book would be about you and me well (laughs) okay um and so like those characters modeled their lives after julius caesar those characters exist some of and and, you know magic exists because it's a world with magic but it's like oh these people who like changed the reshaped the world were like are legends or statues of them but Not really first-hand knowledge of them. So it really is a completely different series just in that same world. Which makes it, I think, really great. Like, There's less of like, ugh, I've been reading this series forever. And more of just like, oh, this four-book series is wrapping up. Which is not that long when you think about it. Uh, Brandon Sanderson writes Magic Systems really well, I think. Yes, that's something you've mentioned, that you like the rules of his magic. Yeah, which is similar to like superpowers, or most superpowers, not all. Uh, Like that there are very specific things you can do and there's specific things you can't do and there's limitations and watching these people like leverage their powers Mm -hmm. in an interesting way. Like there's a character uh, whose, her power is that she can slow down her own time. Okay. So she can like make a time bubble around her that makes her time go very slow, but then everything outside that bubble goes normal time. So it basically puts her at a severe disadvantage. Okay. Right, like if she puts a bubble around herself, um, uh, uh, while fighting somebody, like everyone else could like see her inside, just standing still. Right, and she's like kind of at their mercy. There's another guy who does the opposite. He can speed up time in his bubble, so he creates bubbles and can fight somebody one on one, where nobody else can really get involved because the fight will be over. So if he's fighting a large crowd, it's much easier for him to, like pick off one by one. Okay, right, because he can kind of take anyone one on one. Okay, but. So she's got the inverse power of yeah, that. Yeah. Is there any advantage to her power? Uh, you wouldn't think so, but like they find interesting ways to use it. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, in this most recent book, they call it the instant backup, where she puts the big bubble over like the fight and one of them leaves to go get backup. And then the backup comes moments later in their oh, life, yeah. but it actually took like an hour to like go across the city, get all these other people and come over. So. Uh, that's like, there cool. are some uses. There aren't as many uses. Yeah. But they find like ways to use their powers. And it's very fun. Uh, th- I'm just starting this book, so I really don't even know where it's going. I'm only like, according to Kindle, 15% of the way through. Okay. Uh, but I'm excited for it to wrap up. I'm excited about the next trilogy that'll take place generations after this one. <laughs> uh, I don't know when that'll come out, but I'm excited about them all. What about guys like Brandon, what's his name? Sanderson. Sanderson, like, just every morning he writes for a couple hours, you think? I mean, I mean like, He writes a ton. Yeah. Because he's sci-fi and fantasy, guys. Sometimes it'll be like, oh, they wrote four books this year or something like yeah, that, or so it seems. Depending on the length of his books, his website has, like, meters for, like, where he is on each book he's working on. Like generally, he's, like, like mapping out, outlining one book while writing another book while, like, editing a third book. Uh, and some of that isn't his work, right? It's like, oh, the editors are looking at this one, so I'm starting the next one. Yeah. Um, But he'll he'll sometimes get three or four books out in a year. Sometimes he only gets like one or two. It sort of depends. Because he's got one book that is like a thousand pages. One of those takes up most of his year to write. And so that will slow down his um, delivery. But he very famously in the world of fantasy books had a Kickstarter this year Mm. where he released four secret novels he wrote because of the pandemic. (laughs) Because the pandemic hit and he didn't go to conventions anymore. And he basically had all this free time. He's like, some of that free time went to my family. <laughs> He's but like, not all of it, but not all of it. He's like, he still just had a ton of free time, and so he just secretly wrote four books. He didn't tell anyone, but like his close personal <laughs> friends. He didn't tell his agents, and then they released a Kickstarter to like, where you could buy these four books, uh, and it was the number one Kickstarter of all time. <laughs> uh, I am uh, a, I I sponsored it or whatever you call it with Kickstarter. I kickstarted it. Yeah, you're a kicker. Um, and so I will be getting four. I think they're shorter books. I don't know how long they are. Yeah, but I'll be getting four books next year from him. Oh, very automatically. cool. I automatically, mean, I ordered the Kindle versions because that's how I read things. it's oh, really fun. Uh, but yeah, so like he just did this thing. It was very funny. He had like he's like I have this important announcement. He like made a video, and he's like I have something to know. And I know everyone's hoping I'm working on these books. I am working on those books, and it would seem like it was gonna be like a George R. R. Martin. Like I'm I'm sick and I'm not gonna finish this. book Yeah. For a, something has come up and I'm pushing off this book you've been waiting for. Right, right. But instead of that, it's like everything is on schedule. And also... And also I have four other books (laughs) that are sort of tangentially connected to my universes of books. Somewhere he has like a twin brother who goes through writer's block where that was like the worst day of that guy's (laughs) life, which is like, he's got four more? (laughs) Yeah. It is crazy, like especially when you compare it to George R. R. Martin who's like famously (laughs) not writing his book, it seems like. Yeah, Uh, uh, yeah. The only thing close to Brandon Sanderson is Stephen King in his prime, right? Yeah, or still, Stephen you. King does a book a year. Didn't Stephen King retire and slow down a little bit? Uh, what is slow? I, I feel like <laughs> yeah. every time I turn around, it's like, Stephen King has a new book out yeah. or something. I just feel like I remembered him announcing his retirement, and then it was like, oh, he only had one book that year or something. <laughs> his, his retirement is like, I'm writing a little less. Yeah, only one novel. A year. Or two. Um, <laughs> again, yeah. He's the only one that's even close to it. But yeah, when when people are frustrated with George R. Martin and they're like, hey, have you read Game of Thrones? I'm like, why would I read Game of Thrones before it's finished? I'm uh, it, going to read this guy who will finish his series immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting when um, somebody puts good limitations on like magic systems or whatever. Like This is perhaps a strange example, but I don't read as much as you, so I have to pull from... Have you ever heard of the nursery rhyme "Little Miss Muffet"? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> well, the rules in Little Rain Miss Sanderson Muffet. Brandon <laughs> Sanderson wrote that. Oh wow! Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one it of wasn't his Kickstarter thoughts. Um, the Golden Compass series, you know, the very famous. Sure, like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I read that at some point and um, was impressed that like the internal logic of that world is pretty pretty well set up. Yeah. And it ends well, and like. There's an explanation. You know, things are a mystery at first, and then that mystery is revealed. And I felt like it was satisfying, or at least it like held water. It wasn't like you looked back at the first book and you're like, "What?" You know, as opposed to like Lord of the Rings, terrific book. Yeah. But some of the internal logics a little soft there, and it's like, if what power does the ring give you? And yeah. blah blah blah. But like, and, and even what powers does Gandalf have is just sort of like yeah, and it's, it's got magic. I mean, obviously, those stories work or whatever, but like it oh, does yeah. It doesn't have it. like ironclad. Mm-hmm. Fun th- permutations of logic. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that's a thing every book needs to have. I, there is that thing where if like magic doesn't have a rule, then the, That it can can't, be a scapegoat for a story. Then that I mean, it can you, be a uh, yeah you, cop out. You've got to write your stories differently. Like I would say, Sandman doesn't really have rules. That's like, true. His yeah. powers are sort of they're sort of limitless. They seem limitless. They seem like he can kind of do anything. It but feels then like he has limits if the story needs him to. You theoretically mm. theoretically could write any book where like how'd you get out of this, Sandman snapped his fingers yeah In right. some of the books that is what happens and that's not the point of those stories right, right. he's more of like a swooping in at the end and yeah, giving you sex your machina, just sort of just desserts like, yeah and then other stories are like oh he's either giving himself limitations or is dealing with his brothers and sisters and he isn't going to just snap whatever his fingers, it is yeah. it's like the, the 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 whatever the the uh the excitement the 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 uh, pressure not the pressure but like Uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of. Conflict? The stakes? Yeah, the the stakes, I guess. The the obstacles Don't come from how is he going to get out of this. It's just like what the story is. Right. And so you can certainly do that. Uh, Lucifer, another book I really enjoyed by Mike Carey. I mean, he's the devil. His powers seemed also limitless. Yeah. And that wasn't the point of those stories. Even like Hellblazer, I don't really know what John Constantine's powers are. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't seem all powerful generally when most people write him. But it isn't about, like, like somebody's like, oh, I have this little ritual to do this. But it isn't, like, about that for those stories. It's something else. I do tend to like how, I like when there's clear limitations. I like, like, Superman, you know, yeah. green kryptonite takes him out or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know if that's true anymore. And I, I didn't <laughs> even mind does. the different varieties of kryptonite. And I know they went, like, too far with that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the red kryptonite and the blue kryptonite and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I thought all that stuff was kind of fun. Yeah, I remember loving that as a kid. Yeah, like categories and things. Yeah. Um, like, I liked when the Invisible Woman on the Fantastic Four, she could either make a force field or be invisible, and she couldn't do both for a while. Yeah. I don't know if that stopped being true, it probably stopped being it true. Did. It did. It was never, like, announced. I reached out to uh, on Twitter to, like, uh, super, super knowledgeable people like Tom Brevroot and Kurt Busek, and just, like, hey, do you guys know where this sort of went away? And they're like, not exactly. It just. They stopped caring about that rule. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. It was like yeah. a nice little limitation where she would have to reveal herself to like use one of her most, basically her more powerful abilities. Yeah, because she was so written so poorly at that time, I'm kind of glad they got rid of it. Like giving her limitation, it They it were out, already yeah. finding any excuse to. Limit I, her. I agree. I agree. But, but yes, uh, in general, I like limitations too. I like. I mean, there's some aspect to like Iron Man uh, in the movies, which just feels like. His armor do anything? Yeah, his armor is basically magic, and it's also liquid. It seems like it yeah. just kind of it doesn't he, quite terminate onto him. He but can like form any kind of gun at any time he wants. <laughs> that can do anything, and I don't really love that. I mean, again, Infinity War I think is a great fun film. His armor doesn't really hurt that movie. Yeah, but it is sort of just like I guess his armor is magic now. <laughs> yeah, um, and I do enjoy like oh, I my like again we talked about this comic. Uh, ages ago, but the flash falling out of an airplane—it's like, flash can't fly, right? How does he get out of this? Right, like that's a like you took one of his big limitations, yeah, and put him in a position where his power doesn't seem that useful, and now he's got to find interesting ways to use his power to get out of this situation. All right, in Kingdom Come, when like Superman and Shazam, or slash Captain Marvel—I guess no longer Captain Marvel—but yeah. are I think fighting at that time, he was still Captain Marvel. Though. Okay, and it's like they use. The invoking of Shazam to summon a lightning bolt, and the lightning bolt itself is an offensive weapon that's right, hitting yeah. Superman or whatever. It's like he hugs Superman and then says Shazam, so the lightning bolt yeah. hits Superman. Also, it was sort of an interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I guess I've never thought of the transformation as a weapon, but I guess it could be. That was sort of a fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thing. finding those ways to kind of like work through like rather than amping up powers, rather than giving somebody more powers or making them stronger or faster, I think it is more fun to be like, what's a creative way that we can use those powers? And we've said it many times, but every single issue that Jack Kirby ever drew, I think he took as a challenge to use the person's powers in a new visual way, at least. In a way, it was sort of insane how many ways he thought of the Human Torch to do things. Yeah, I mean, there are times where like, Human Torch uses his flames as like a sonar or something, which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But... I like that they're trying to, like, instead of, like, being like, oh, now he's, his flames are even hotter. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't even know what that means. At a certain, like, the Flash gets faster every time I read a comic with him. Or, like... like but what does that mean, Thinking now? of other limitations to comics, like, when Spawn was first created and there was, like, he only had so much... Yeah. ...energy to use before he went back to hell. And there was, like, that meter that was running down the side yeah. of but all... but it wasn't, like, a clear clock. You didn't quite know what it meant. Like, it was also, like, sort of interesting. Yeah, but then that... Then he was just around as long as he needed to be around, right? I, mean, I guess I only read the first twelve issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounded like a fun He still seems around, so I guess yeah. he either got around that limitation or it didn't end up mattering. Did you ever see the Spawn movie? I did. Um, I did and I thought it was like very okay. Uh, I, like a... I remember very little of it. Me too, but I remember it looked great and it was just kinda of still pre like superhero movies being a common thing it was just fun to see. Yeah. Any attempt to do like a special effect laden superhero movie and John Leguizamo was really fun. Yeah, and, that's uh, the only thing I really remember about it. Yeah, I know, me too. But uh, Roger Ebert gave that movie four stars out of four. He, like, went nuts for spy. Wow. He would always go nuts for, like, audacious special effects. Not always, but he was very impressed by uh, innovation in special effects, I should say. The only—I used to watch Siskel niebuhr all the time. Me too. And for some reason, the only review that sticks in my head is— I think it's Siskel, but I'm not 100% sure. It might have been Ebert talking about the money pit. <laughs> and it's, it's stuck in my head. Like, them talking about money pit going, this isn't funny. Tom Hanks is funny. This isn't, like, they would, like, describe a situation. The, the, the floor falling in isn't funny. Now, Tom Hanks is funny. Like, like, they're like, he is getting laughs out of it. But they're sort of mad that, like, the gags weren't funny. Okay, okay. And then, for some reason, that sticks in my mind. Just them going, Tom Hanks is funny, but not this. There's lots of movies that I would see just because they recommended it, like yeah. Night of the Comet, the mid '80s. I've seen that a few times. Um, you know, very uh, mediocre. I mean, it's very, a cult classic, but it, really mediocre movie where the teenagers are the only ones who are yeah. left. They loved that movie, um, and I it's uh, I saw it because of uh, Siskel yeah. and Newberg raved about it. I think Starman was another one they went nuts for. Uh, Night of the Comet, I think was just one of those movies that was like on HBO, yeah, on repeat at some point in my life, and so I've just seen it a few times. I feel like the Will Forte TV show, Last Man on Earth, somebody was like, I think Night of the Comet's good. What if it was just <laughs> Will Forte instead of a bunch of these guys? Um, well, um, I'm going to bring up, I'm reading a Marvel The Untold Story after being recommended it forever sure. by yeah, Sean yeah. Howe. And uh, I just, I'm only up through the birth of the Marvel Silver Age, like Spider-Man, FF, So you're, ba- you're barely in. I mean, I guess it's still pretty deep. No, it's pretty early. Um, but it's already really fun. Um, and I already have learned a lot of things I didn't really know. And I learned a lot about Martin Goodman, the publisher of Marvel Comics, that I didn't know. And it was interesting. I, I found that book really good. I, I found the most interesting parts, like the most interesting times in Marvel, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that time you're reading now was super interesting, I thought. Yeah, then the 70s, it must get boring. Then it sort of gets a little boring, even though it's like Steve Gerber's in there and there's yeah. some things. But I was just like, ah, this part, like there isn't as much going on that's interesting. And then, like, shooter. shooter shows up, and it does... The book feels like it... Maybe that's because I'm just more aware of those points. Yeah, you know the stories. But I also feel like there's just more excitement about it at that point. Uh, and so there's certain moments where things get very exciting because of that. Like, I, I there was some... I remember, like, there's like, three peaks in that book. Something pre-Marvel, then, like, the birth of Marvel, and then, like, the Shooter era, like, the three peaks when yeah. I was reading it a little bit. Well, before Marvel... Before the birth of Marvel is just like the rise of comic books. And it's just like when Stan Lee has an army of people doing like Millie the model and like cowboy stuff and Kirby is like journeying out a million things for other companies. But it is, there's something interesting about that sort of prequel to Marvel where like those, All those things are starting to intersect to that perfect moment where, like, Goodman wants a comic book company. He's got Stan Lee. Stan Lee knows that Kirby Kirby is is good. Yeah, and like they kind of pull together, and they kind of like, and it's this perfect time where, like, DC is kind of stagnated a little bit. Super successful, but like their line has gotten sort of. uh, There's a similarity to everything, so there's an opportunity if you do something good and different. Right um and it also all worked out i I agree it's very exciting and it gave me specifics i've always just kind of known generally that stan and jack had already had pretty full careers by the time they started marvel Mm -hmm. and that's part of what gave them the experience to do marvel and and also the emotional temperament to sort of do something new but it really like it made it exciting it's like these guys had risen to the top and were a little bit on the bottom especially stan um, and yeah. so motivated to try hard to get back to what they knew could happen again. It was really fun to It's been it's, really fun to does read. Does it talk about Stan like not really wanting to write comics anymore? Oh, sure, sure. I, I love that, too, which is sort of like, uh, I want to do something where I can really become successful, And like, but then he finds a way to do it within this universe, which is so exciting, too. I mean, also just like somebody finally letting Kirby be Kirby is very exciting. Like He was great before that, but it was in the Marvel Universe where he really... Exploded and would kind of had the freedom to do like what he wanted, yeah. Uh, cause I, I, I read Tom Reverute's blog all the time, and he talks about DC at that time, like not liking the Kirby style. They would have artists and be like, they didn't want people drawing the way Kirby did, they yeah. specifically didn't like it, even though that was so successful and becoming more popular than their stuff. Just the people in charge are like, ah, it's too flashy and, and all it's over kind the place, of chaotic, chaotic, yeah, yeah. yeah. We want structure, we want, yeah, we want clarity. Um, but like excitement is something. I mean, I've never seen a Jack Kirby page that didn't look cool. You know, I mean, we a lot of times the story is insane <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I and mean, we've talked about a lot of those old comics more than uh, we need to. But uh, we I was we were talking about uh, uh the Amazing Spider Slack. Yes, uh, the Slack channel for the, the, Amazing, channel for the Spider Amazing Spider, Spider Talk, talk uh, podcast. podcast. Somebody on there was somehow they didn't enjoy the first six Hulk issues, and I was like, "Ooh, I loved them!" Yeah, and they were like, "Are you serious?" And I and I was I like wrote like a three paragraph thing, just being like, "It's so magical and interesting, and there's something about that era where it's just like everything, whether or not it works or not, there was something exciting about it. Even the sure. bad parts of those six issues, I'm like, "Ooh, I love this!" I never got bored reading a Jack Kirby comic, uh, and I've been bored reading a lot of those mm. older comics, but. It's not that I don't see flaws. The story changes, sure, yeah. the, you know, the logic changes. Even the story seemed to wrap up out of nowhere and there's just everybody's wearing shorts for no reason. And it's, <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's just, it's like as a cinematographer, the guy couldn't be beat. Like you just can't take your eyes off it or I can't at least. And it does feel alive. Yeah. Um, and it just, it doesn't feel like dead or written by a machine I often think that the MCU now, Marvel movies, has become what I always thought of as DC Comics in the early 60s. Like quality and reliable and successful, but stayed. And somebody like Blumhouse, the Blumhouse horror Mm -hmm. production company, there's going to be a Blumhouse of superheroes where like a low budget, stupid, but fun thing happens and upends the MCU. And it's going to be like, it's not going to look as good. It's not going to look as professional. Yeah. It won't have the IP, but it's just going to, like, blow him out of the water. But, I mean, you could argue that this that's what happened to Marvel Comics, too, right? It started exciting, and then it sort of became static and, and dull yes. and, and corporate and, like, this is how this character looks in every book. Right. Until, like, Shooter kind of brought some more excitement into it, and then it kind of, like, there's periods that, of Marvel where it's, like, somebody in charge is, like, no, no, no. Spider-Man always looks like this. Yeah. And there's some, you know, I get it. Sure. Sure. But then also, like, you lose something there. And so I can also see these move the Marvel movies. It could happen from within Marvel. Yeah. Like, it could be that, like, somebody like James Gunn, who's got like clout or whatever, yeah. like, does something very individual. And, Too bad he's over at DC now, but yeah. Right. But like, some, mm-hmm. um, could, could like do something that like breaks it open from within. But it just, to follow the DC Marvel metaphor, like, Marvel was Stan Lee just in the corner of an office that wasn't even called Marvel. And he, does ff and spidey yeah. with kirby and ditko and but i think that's part of the reason i enjoyed the she-hulk show like that people didn't like even the end i'm just like that's different they're trying something they're taking a bigger swing is it as crazy as what you're describing no but it is not the cookie cutter uh, falcon and winter soldier show it is something no, a little different I, it's got its own flavor and i uh there's something and obviously werewolf by we're, night had more of that too of like I can see them trying things. Even the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special that's coming up looks silly and fun. Sure, yeah. I mean sort of a wild thing to do. Yeah. I just those still are those might look the something could come along that makes those look like incremental changes. Sure. I think it's tough in movies. I think it's just like studios, even Blumhouse is like when something starts making money, the moment something starts making money. Everyone gets nervous, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, now we—it's it, the uncanny X-Men, right? It's like, oh, do whatever you want, Claremont. Oh, these are selling. You need three spin-off titles. Uh, Wolverine's getting his own book. We're spinning this off. We're doing this. You can't write it all, and it's like, and then it, its taken out of his hands, and it loses that magic. Yeah. And like because it's successful, it's like we got to wring more money out of it. Here's my pitch for the movie. Okay. We'll make it. Okay, great. It's a superhero who every time he commits murder okay for 24 hours is superman okay. so if he wants to get that power he has to commit uh, a moral sin so it's got to be high it's gotta be worth it mm-hmm. and somehow it doesn't work if it's like you can't kill someone who's on the verge of death's door it doesn't count so just somehow mm-hmm. the forces in play no you just put this on a podcast what someone's gonna make this oh shoot i forgot we're being taped i forgot we're being taped it's already probably in production at this point um we're going out live to our friends. We get texts from people during the uh, Kevin Feige's listening. <laughs> yes. He texts us all the time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say to our listeners, we're not always going to be so chatty. We should. Kevin and I are in person. I'm in Kevin's house. Uh, yeah, so, against my wishes. Yep. I broke in. And, um, and so we're kind of indulging in our actually being face-to-face to have a real conversation, which Zoom, uh, Zoom kind of inhibits a little bit. And also, to some extent, like during our day, my six-year-old's awake the whole time. So this is our only chance to actually talk, and we are recording a podcast. Yeah, we're we're putting it on on hard yeah, drive. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a break and come back and actually talk about the thing we're supposed to talk about. Sure, let's do it. And we're back. All right, Kevin. Squadron Supreme, three issues. Last episode, we talked about wondering if there'd be a big ending that would give a big sea change to our level of opinion. What do you think? Uh, it did not happen. <laughs> For me, at least. I, uh It was a fine ending, but Mm -hmm. it it certainly was not a, uh, oh, wow, what a cool way to tie this up. It was just sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah. And now it's done. It still feels like this book would have been better as an ongoing series Like if just, like, instead of having that ending, it just continued on. Yes. Um, I think Grunold could have done more interesting things with it. He had so many things in the air. It looks like he had a lot more. It looks like it could have been its own little universe. If all 12 of these issues didn't have the 12-issue series pasted on the cover, I would wonder if like they just retroactively made it a limited series. But they didn't. This was always planned to be 12 issues from every sign I can see. Also, Marvel didn't really do that at that time. Yeah. Um, they do that now sometimes. Well, well they won't. They'll, they'll announce something and it'll be like... There's only four issues, but we're not going to say how many in case it's successful and we'll do more. And if it's not, we'll be like, it was always meant to be four. Okay, right. They do that a lot now. Um, Because when they do that, it sells less if they say it's one of four and people are like, eh. My impression went up a little bit with the ending. Not not a massive change, but I thought it was a good ending. I thought it was an honorable ending for the story. I thought it did not cheat. Um, There's a lot of tragedy at the end and they didn't cop out of that. And I think they were sort of promising that, and they did it. And I, you know, I have a, I have a real respect for this series more than when we started. Um, it's, it's, he, he went farther than I thought, and, um, it was not, not enough to transcend into your sort of upper level elite game changing comics, but I can certainly see why this is one that's remembered. Yeah, I can see all that too. I feel like my uh, expectations were higher. So many people raved about this series for so long. And I've never read it. I don't know why. That I was just like, oh, this is going to be pretty good. I thought at worst I was going to be like, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is really fun. And yeah. I was like, eh, it was okay. Interesting ideas. Like, you know, I don't know. It's it's a smart book that I just didn't get into sort of thing where I'm like, I can see why people like this. But I don't. <laughs> uh, and so that to me is disappointing because I was expecting it to be better than this. A lot of times when I, I put off Claremont's X-Men... A yeah. Series that we knew must be good but had never read, and we could have read that and been like, Ah, it's a little old fashioned, it's blast. Yeah. Cool. But I was like, This is a blast, it's a blast, yeah. Like, if it had all been <laughs> the Brood, Brood saga, right, right? I might have been like, I don't know why people love this so much, but we know why. Um, we could easily see why it's special and a, a lot of it holds up, yeah. And the, and the great stuff is unbelievably great. There was some stuff that was really fun, even with the datedness of it, like, even yeah. if that came out today, I'd be like, This is still pretty fun, yeah. And even more so at the time, right? Like, Yeah. I can't put my head completely in that mode of what was it like to read it in that time. Yeah. But even if I, even reading it now in today's context, I'm like, this was fun to read. This was one of my favorite comics I'm reading month to month, and it is old X-Men comics. With okay. this, so, I'm reading it. I'm like, eh, maybe I would have enjoyed it more back then. I sure would have enjoyed it more back then. Would have I loved it? I don't know makes me think that Mark Grunewald had really cool ideas. And I wonder if he ever wrote short stories. Because a lot of these, I was like, this would be a good Philip K. Dick short story. Like, a lot of the subplots in this would be like, this is a good sci-fi idea. Do you know he did a comedy show on no. public access? No. He did it uh, with other Marvel editors, but it was like his brainchild. Oh, interesting. Uh, Tom Brever wrote about that as well. <laughs> uh, like, either one... Brevoort, right? I, I I say it different every time, I think I say it. <laughs> uh, he... Uh, I think, either, there's either like one, two or three episodes of this thing and it's very weird and silly, but it's like, he kind of wanted to be a comedian too, on top of everything else. So it's yeah. very fun in that sense. I'll, I'll try to dig it up and send it to you at some point. Um, well, he seems like a really interesting guy and, uh, that, that comes through in these stories. And, uh, another thing I do like, even though it's a lot of exposition and these issues more than others, there's just tons of written words on these pages. <laughs> yeah. It is, like, tied up pretty well. Like, it looks organized. It doesn't have that thing that we did see in X-Men comics sometimes where it was just like, what happened off pan- I mean, just like, oh, he rushed over this, and this is yeah. out of nowhere, and all of a sudden this person is brokenhearted, and they definitely weren't last issue. Yeah. None of that happens. Like, this is yeah, all sure, mapped yes. out, like, pretty solidly, and things cause other things. Every, you know, there's nothing for no reason. Yeah. That maybe it's not given the real estate it needs, but like I can point to this happened and that caused yeah. this thing and that caused this thing. Right. Lady Lark and Blue Eagle weren't like immediately in love with each other. They were just sort of like, oh, we're falling for each other. Yep. And then like when the when Lady Lark's brain got brainwashed, Blue Eagle's like, that's weird. I could have sworn she was into me. Yeah. And now she's madly in love with? Or like. And it's, it's like he didn't say something right away because it wasn't you know, Claremont written, like, my best friend in the world, you know, uh, this sort of idea of, oh, this is weird, right? Does no one else think this is weird? And then it boiled up in him where he's like, no, this is suspicious. Right. Um, Or just even like Dr. Spectrum as a ladies man, party boy, and then he inadvertently causes the death of Nuke. He's racked with guilt and he loses that and he can't even fight anymore. And then he falls in love with Foxfire, like, for Mm -hmm. real. Yeah. That's, like, that's like a great little arc that's There's in lots this story. Of, lots of fun stuff in here. Foxfire, I think, was a really interesting part. Like, I was excited that she was going yeah, to stay on the side of the squadron. It, that whole thing, well, we should just get into it. That's like an yeah. excellent part of this. Let's let's do it. So let's jump in. Issue 10. Um, caught in the Quagmire. Um, so we're three issues away from the end. And so Tom Thumb died in the very last panel of the last issue, a text panel. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, the squadron is using his death to eulogize the greatness of the benevolent genius Tom Thumb, but also promote their hibernation program. Right. Where you can cryogenically freeze yourself if you have a disease until there is a cure for the disease. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would want that. Oh, me either. I don't think I'd be like, oh, I'm going to die from cancer freeze me, and then maybe you'll unthaw me someday, even Mm -hmm. if it was sure to work that you couldn't unthaw me. It's like, oh, it's 600 years later, and I'm cured. So what? Yeah. well, I don't want to be alive, and I want to be alive 600 years ago. Where's Starbucks? I mean, Starbucks is still here. It's now the capital of our country. Oh, then I want to do it. (laughs) Uh, But, like, it's like, oh, my family is gone, or my friends are... I have to, like, start over and... But the, I'm, they're, I'm Buck Rogers or something. I don't. But it's a good example of they're using their power to push something they think is good, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And That is scary. We go from them pushing that program to the to Night Hawks team of anti Squadron people, which he's picked up. You know, heroes and enemies, and he also has the Golden Archer, who was fired from Squadron. Now the Black Archer. Yeah. I do have a question. Like this big guy. What's his name? The Redstone. Redstone. Why was he in shadows when he was out of costume? If any of our listeners understand why Redstone was like never shown Is out of Native costume. Is he Native American? He's like, he, he he made some reference to being on the reservation. Maybe, but it just was and weird. And also when they first found him, was he a tree? It looked like he was a tree. No, he was like standing in the bush shadow zone, of something. a tree? He was in the shadows of like bushes. It was like they were hiding who it was so there'd be some reveal later on. Yeah. That's like, I kept waiting for it to be like, oh, it's this guy. Dick Tracy. Uh, and it's like. So why was he hiding? I, yeah, I, I wonder if there was something there that wasn't done. Yeah, but maybe one of our maybe he's a character from a past Squad and Supreme story that was always hidden. So Significant. The, so Mark is continuing that. I, I just don't know, but well, our listeners might know. It never comes up in here. Um, but you never see him out of costume, and you see other ones out of costume. Uh, the main kind of fight of this issue is quagmire who was an institute of evil guy that blue eagle abandoned and who then risked his life to save 30 people um in a factory accident is in a coma but in the coma his body starts emitting a black ooze somehow related to his power mm-hmm. in massive amounts and it's like filling the hospital and flooding it and the squadron in you know comes there to save it and they realize they have to kill quagmire to stop it and so hyperion does it yeah yeah and so that's kind of like, that's this, the, this issue's moral quandary. Do we kill somebody who was our ally and who had done good and who was injured from in the line of active good service, and they kill him? He's killed in a way where he could come back. He vanishes. He's killed, yeah, he slides into a pocket dimension. Um, also, Hyperion's wearing his goggles now. He can't see normally, so he's got sort of like goggles that kind of give him like a daredevil sense, yeah. I, I take it. Yeah. Um, and he's dating Powered princess that seems to be she won him over going she over. did the move of kissing him unexpectedly which in superhero comics is sometimes all you need uh, we see that shape really likes being a hero he likes being good he likes kids he, he likes being a good guy yeah um it's more of a table setting issue than other issues we're kind of just seeing the anti squadron team rev up to to go nuts yeah I mean, there is the quagmire thing, but we're mostly just like seeing those guys get ready. But again, this is where it feels like an ongoing issue. It's like this is a fine adventure of this Squadron Supreme. It just feels like an issue of the with Avengers. Dealing with like one of their plot lines, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like oh, there's two issues left after this. I agree. I, I, not just even use Just Watchmen, but like most series that are like this, when you get to this point, when you, you get to it's like, like chapter ten of up. twelve. You're like, oh, oh my man, god, here it's it will come into a head. Even like Game of Thrones, the show, mm-hmm. which people. I know it didn't like that last season, but you could tell, like, oh, things are heading up. to yeah. a big climax, one that you might not like, but it is coming. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird to have this sort of like, yeah, eh, yeah just clean yeah, it things up. Things are we, we business as up. usual. A little quagmire uh, goo. Uh, should we move on to issue 11? Sure. So this is, uh, it opens with a confusing thing where Squadron seems to be fighting itself. Uh, but then you find out pretty quickly it's a training exercise of capture the flag, and right. they're and they're testing some new heroes they met oh, right. last that, issue. That is the thing we sort of skimmed over. These new heroes were plants, right? Double agents from Nighthawk's oh. team, right? So there's Moonshadow, who's like an illusionist who can just create, and then um, yeah, somebody else who I forget. Some other uh, Haywire guy who makes Haywire, like, strings. Yeah. He feels like a, a very uh, Ditko villain, right? Very, he feels like a Ditko villain, yeah. Kind of like a, um, what's the ragdoll guy? Uh, the patchwork madcap. He reminds me of the Ringer, too, which is not a Ditko character, but feels like a Ditko character. <laughs> well, anyway, we got these two people who Nighthawk had recruited, and they're not known by the squadron. So they like kind of auditioned to be part of the squadron, who are understaffed. And so this training exercise at the start of issue 11 is a test for them, and they pass. They're really yeah. powerful and good. And it was an interesting thing in the previous issue. Blue Eagle wanted to brainwash them. We don't know these people. Let's brainwash them so they have to be on our side. Yeah. Everyone's like, ooh, that feels like crossing a line, so they don't do it. Right. Some people are like, let's not add them. Some people are like, let's add them. And Blue Eagle's like, let's add them, but let's brainwash them. Yeah. Uh, which they end up not doing. They end up not doing, yeah. Um, and so they are indoctrinated as members of the team, and we know they're double agents. They they want to destroy the squadron from the inside. Um. So there's tons of exposition here. Like, yeah. Nighthawk summarizes his whole story, and it's a, it's a lot. Um, I'm more and more sure that her name is just Apex. And like not Madame. I've seen no. No Madam Ape? No I don't know where you saw Madam Ape, but I can't find it anywhere here. It might be, but I've seen I it. might have to go change our episode descriptions. That's fine. Um, our accuracy is not why people listen to us, I hope. I hope not. They're really disappointed if so. Anyway, the squadrons, the squadron dudes, as they're known. That's the squadron, is the official title. Yeah. The squadron. Nightman. <laughs> is that a Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference I accidentally made? I don't know. Uh, anyway, you were saying uh, a lot of exposition. Nighthawk like, retells this whole story, but Moonshadow, once she's in the base, successfully steals the blueprints for the behavior modification machine, which is what they really want. But Ape X witnesses this no she doesn't but the computer the ai tells apex yes. hey i gotta let you know that new squadron member has betrayed the squadron right but that creates a division by zero feedback right. loop because she, can't, of the she can't betray the squadron who this person is a member of but she also has to warn the squadron but she can't betray the squadron but she must warn the squadron and her brain just shuts down and then the computer feels bad yeah, the computer doesn't know why that happened. This genius AI immediately stymied. Yeah, um, that's kind of fun. You like that stuff, right? You like I the did, permutations I, the, of I mean, the, the brainwashing stuff. I like the idea that Blue Eagle was like, let's brainwash these people. That's the quickest way to join them safely. Uh, and this is another aspect of that. Um, and then we see that um, they're... Pl- so they build a behavior modification machine. And... Master Menace, the Doctor Doom like yeah. partner, silent partner of the anti squadron folks, figures out a way to create an unbrainwashing yeah. machine or an unbrainwashing mode or something. And so they start like capturing the former Institute of Evil members and unbrainwashing them. Yes. They get Lamprey first, I think. They get the the Haywire. Uh, no, no, you're right. Haywire's on the team. Yes, they get Lamprey. Oh, wow, I got something right. And um, Lamprey's immediately evil again, right? He's like, "Yeah, let's yeah, get these guys." He digs it. Uh, they get Shape next. He doesn't want it to happen. He's sort of sad about it. Yeah, Shape's kind of Shape was happy, and Foxfire is also conflicted. Yeah, because she was truly in love with uh, Spectrum, and they also catch Blue Eagle by accident and have to. They decide they have to brainwash him, and they're like, "We should brainwash him to be evil." And Nighthawk won't do that. He's like, "We can brainwash him so that he doesn't know." Just so that he plan. forgets having seen us. Yeah. But he won't change his personality. Yeah. Uh, and he feels guilty about even doing that. Is Madame Ape a character just somewhere else that I just somehow... I mean, there is the, the Ape In character the... from the Doom Patrol villain. Yeah. But she's not Madame Ape. She's... uh. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking of? Uh. uh ape Doom Patrol... What's her name? Um, I like, think that's like Mansoor Mala. I don't know if you're thinking of that. <laughs> nope, I wasn't. No. That, I mean, that's a great, I just straight up made up a name. This is a character that's in love with a brain in a jar. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's very fun. I, uh, yeah. Anyway, who knows where I got that from? I mean, you corrected me number of times. I I believed you. This is a non. Every time I saw Apex, I was like, I guess. I don't know what I, I was. Mean, I missed Madame Ape, and then when I was getting snapshots for Instagram, I was like, I still don't see it. Uh, Does Madam Apeface is a character on the Dino Mutt series? That's who you were thinking of. (laughs) You're a big Dino Mutt guy. I know you're running your Dino Mutt uh, Reddit channel. Yeah, two people joined. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. That's two now. Yeah. You're counting yourself as one of the two? And the other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Two different emails. Uh, There is is a weird thing like they get this brainwashing machine, unbrainwashing machine. We don't ever see the Archer bring Lady Larkin to get her unbrainwashed. Yeah, that's, I, th- I thought he, that would happen. He wants to. He can't find her. She's in hiding. It's just weird. Why Why not have that happen? I don't know. Like, you have so many things happen in these comics. Why not spend the page... Yeah, that it's that not like have... you're requiring a bunch of panels to, for stuff. Yeah. Uh, so they brainwashed Blue Eagle, which is interesting because he was in favor of brainwashing people at the beginning, and then it kind of happens to him. Yeah. Not fully. But a little brainwashing, Nighthawk kind of feels like he's sold, he's like compromised himself. Yeah. But then we head into the final issue, and this yeah. is a double sized issue, and it's the big battle between Squadron Dudes One versus Anti Squadron Two. Right. Um, and this is where it starts with Foxfire getting brainwashed and sort of being Can, uh, a little bit wanting to be good. We get a reminder that the 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 wizard. The uh, character, the Zatanna character, is pregnant. Very pregnant. Very, very pregnant. And hiding it from everybody so she doesn't get left out of the battles. Yep. Um, so there's some table setting for the first half. We see, we kind of just we check in on a lot of the characters. We see that Haywire is dating Inertia, two characters that we barely know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see that the squadron is voluntarily giving up the authority they just sort of like assumed. They're like, as we said, a year later, we're giving up our power, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it does seem do, like they, they do they d- say they're giving up their power? Yeah, um, this this panel, the page, a couple pages before. Princess Power is addressing, like, the cabinet. And so now that we have all the apparatus in place for the utopian system of America, we, the Squadron Supreme, will be stepping down from any regulatory authority oh. as we promised we'd do a year ago. Like, they're not retiring. They're still going to yeah. be, like, the Avengers, like, a superhero team on call. Mm-hmm. But they're not, like, running the country. Uh, I like this placard. This from this part, says, Give me liberty and give me death. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to be forced into the hibernation machine. Which they're not being forced into, Yet. Yet. Oh, it's just, Once that power exists. Me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lady Lark. So the squadron does a big press conference where they announce that they are stepping down from their authority. Lady Lark is in the crowd here in a trench coat and sunglasses and the Black Archer Seasoner is like, i got to get her on brainwashed. That never happens. Yeah. Um, um, Mink is fallen in love with Nighthawk and I guess that's a thing. That's happening. A lot of making out in this. A lot of... A lot yeah, your a lot lock of... screen is getting covered. I know. i got like 10 pictures of superheroes making out because it's never happened outside of Squadron Supreme. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then basically Nighthawk shows up and... Huge battle. And all the turncoats turn on them, and, uh... The double a, agents a, reveal themselves. Yeah, and a fight breaks out. Mostly, Pinball does a lot of the action here, right? A guy who has really not been involved. I didn't even know what his powers were until this battle. He turns into a ball? Yeah. I mean, it's not total surprise. <laughs> but I, I just... Yeah. It's just like other... There's been other panels of people, like, yeah. you know... Um, haywire you'll throw them with your tangle webs and inertia you'll reject their energy and pinball you'll help too like it was never clear to me what what pinball was gonna do pinball mostly rolls around (laughs) (laughs) i guess he's like bouncing lad from the legion of superheroes but he also seems silly to me so i don't know it looks like tweedle dumber tweedle d yeah looks like dr octopus without the arms Uh, Hyperion's glasses get knocked off, and he kind of falls into like a Velma moment. (laughs) Like literally saying, I can't see without my glasses. It's very funny. The most powerful man on Earth. yeah, man on Earth, and he's like, oh, where is it? Where? I can't (laughs) see. Give me a second. Give me a second. Don't step on my glasses. (laughs) Uh, It's a well-thought-out battle. I I get a little bored when there's big, long battles in comics. I know that makes me a disloyal reader, but it is kind of like, you know, things happen, right? Like the powers are used in interesting ways, and there's... And the the balance teeters one way. Or the other. I, I give this battle like a B plus or a B. Like it's B. not like it's not like a John Byrne, Can't, yeah, a, a Ditko battle where I'm just like oh, I'm enjoying every punch that's thrown. It's exciting, and and John John Romita Jr. would do that too. It's like or it's just like oh, I'm interested in even just this mindless action. They can sort of make that sing, and then some people kind of do it in a way where I'm like I'm bored the whole time. This is somewhere in between that. I'm certainly not bored. But I'm not necessarily well, as thrilled. The stories are being moved forward, right? Helps, like yeah. Hyperion's glasses are off; he <laughs> he can't do anything. Redstone wants revenge, or just want, is curious if he can hold up against Hyperion. Arcana is gone into labor. Goes into labor. Um. Uh. What else? There's there's a uh, spectrum is. Uh, Am I getting ahead of it a little bit? No, I don't think so. Like Spectrum is can't he can't Black Black Archer shoots his ring, yeah, and so it like it really mortally wounds him and maybe depowers him. And and Spectrum also can't. It's trying to shoot the Archer to stop him, but he can't shoot his friend because he remembers killing Nuke, so he won't shoot him directly, putting him at like a, a. He's, he's weak, right? He's yeah, vulnerable. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, he, he's not emotionally committed. He's more powerful than Archer, but he basically won't fight. And then Archer shoots his ring, which kind of also decolorizes Spectrum. That's yeah, kind that was, of interesting. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Uh, and... And so he's mortally wounded, and Foxfire thinks he's dying, and she like apologizes for turning on the squadron and confesses her love to him. And he kind of is like, "I'm not dead yet." And he hears that she loves him. So like story story things are happening. And really importantly, battle. pinball's still rolling around the <laughs> battlefield during this. Uh, he's groaning. Oh, uh, once Arcana goes into labor, it's Shape who like carries her away. Like Shape protects her. Yes. So like he's fully just like a good guy. He's like, yeah. forget about it. I'm not turning on the squadron. I'm going to save Arcana yeah he's great um you also just see emotional stuff pinball so <laughs> blue eagle is going nuts and oh leech lamprey the leech character yeah just starts leeching power from everybody yeah. and and like depowers blue eagle when he's in the air so blue eagle has to land on pinball to save himself but he kills both of them oh did he kill oh my god he goodness. kills himself oh, yeah, he and pinball. His lung. yeah poor pinball he was such an integral part of the team <laughs> it's a huge loss yeah but really more panels are spent on Pinball's death than on Tom Thumb, so <laughs> Yeah, Tom Thumb off panel. But like Remnant, who was somehow the magic carpet fabric guy, seemed to be very invested in Pinball and is very distraught when he dies. Uh, um Mink kills Foxfire because Foxfire hurts Nighthawk because she was doing that to protect Yeah, to prove her love to Spectrum. Yeah. Her loyalty to Squadron. She dare she very much injures Nighthawk. Yeah. Maybe kills him, but that super injures him. And so in revenge, Mink, Wolverine, Claws, Nighthawk. um, uh, So like the deaths start, the deaths and the mortal injuries. And then Spectrum still has his powers. Apparently they've been internalized at this point. The color starts to come back. So he exudes a lot of power to overload Lamprey and like explode him, explode the leech character. Did Nighthawk die? Uh, I feel like Nighthawk did die. I feel like I barely noticed that. That's crazy. Yeah, Nighthawk dies. A lot of them die. Yeah, Nighthawk. Yeah, I knew a lot of them died. I, I sort of. Dead on arrival, Nighthawk, heart failure. So she causes a heart attack in Nighthawk and is successful. Wow. Foxfire then dies from her wounds. Blue Eagle dies, breaking his neck on pinball. Pinball died with the broken spine from Blue Eagle. L- Lamprey absorbs too much power and explodes. Black Archer, who, tri- who hit his head really hard? Was that somebody, like, swiped his head hard? Was that Blue Eagle? Someone just took a... S- oh, yeah, I think it was Blue Eagle, mad about Lady Lark, just, like, clocked the Black Archer and killed him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's got a... Yep, it's Blue Eagle before he gets depowered. Mortally wounds. Blue Eagle or Doctor Spectrum? Blue Eagle. So, okay, he gets depowered by Lamper, you mean? Yes, okay, right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Blue Eagle before he gets depowered by Leech has a mace and he mortally injures um Black Archer. Like it's bad. And I mean he dies. Um Yeah, I mean, and ex- again, like at this time, heroes didn't die that often. Uh, and it's certainly nothing as vicious as some of these deaths. These are some pretty vicious deaths. Yeah, and the main Nighthawk, the main the main villain, but also the guy who was a the Batman character dies, right? That's pretty crazy. And then, like, out of nowhere. Then, like, the last page, the squadron's like, yeah, this was a bad idea. Let's not do it. Yeah, they're like, we shouldn't have this power. It was wrong. And then the last two panels are Arcana having her baby, kind of like a little happy ending of hope. Yeah, Shape is, like, with them taking care of the kids. That's nice. But it is very weird, like, they all just sort of, uh, it just sort of ends, right? They're like, yeah, "Eh, you're right, Nighthawk, this was a bad idea. And Nighthawk, like, made a pretty good speech being like, once you guys aren't around, how do you know these things won't be used for evil? Right. Which is a really good argument, and it feels like one he could have said to them. He didn't say that in the first issue. (laughs) No. And he, I mean, it seemed like he was still friends with Hyperion. He could have made the phone call in issue seven. And well, they like, didn't yet have things like the behavior modification machine. Right, that's what I'm saying. He could have called him in issue seven. They're still friends. Okay, right, right. Could have said, "Hey, Hyperion, Nighthawk, here's why I don't think that machine's a great idea." Yeah, and it seems like Hyperion believed that argument pretty quickly. Yeah. Um. So I guess. Anyway, I, I'm not. That's not a. Fatal flaw in this series or anything. But it did just sort of feel like... I was... That argument is really what won the fight. When I, said I, I was impressed at the casualty list here. Just like... This is what I mean. Grunwald, like went far. Like, he removes a lot of his characters from play. And they don't just... I don't feel like they're just happening for like, let's get a death, to ratchet up the emotional stakes. They, they are... They follow yeah. from the stories that have been built up. And I guess... The thing I complained about a lot is that this is connected to the 616 Squadron Supreme. They're not in 616, but the Squadron Supreme we've seen in the Marvel Universe. Okay. By making it that, like, oh, if they do show up again, these characters are now dead. This, like, world has changed. Like, if Squadron Supreme shows up and fights the Avengers again, yeah. Nighthawk won't be there. Right. So there is that aspect. By, by making this the Squadron Supreme, Right. those deaths matter more. Yeah. I, I don't know if that, in the end, does anything. I. I it still feels like an alternate world, and these deaths do sort of still feel like well, you killed them, but so a lot of the like the deaths themselves were interesting, but it's like so Nighthawk is dead, that's a pretty major character, right? Sure, I don't know if it impacted me that much, well, we haven't met yeah, we haven't known these characters for that long, but... yeah, but like when Rorschach dies in Watchmen, yeah, it matters, and yeah, he, like and he is sort of a crazy person, <laughs> he probably is better off dead, yeah, but I was like, ugh. It was just sad when he it was begs to be killed and just do what he says just do it yeah like that's sad I think and, and like the characters that die in that book each one sort of like really impacted me uh, and it I is, didn't know them it's true it's more than true. twelve issues I mean I guess I spent way more time with Rorschach than I did with Nighthawk but you could make these de- if there was fewer characters or we focused mm-hmm. on just a handful mm-hmm. of them these deaths could have meant a lot more um, I mean uh, I, I'll say Foxfire's death hit me a little bit i was a little sad even though i wasn't shocked because it felt like well she was to, trying it wasn't to turn, gonna be a happy ending but i was like i was like oh she's dead it's true love and yeah. um, she's trying to she's trying to prove to her man that she's real and she's trying to turn to the good side and she's you know she's basically a hero for like five seconds and then murdered yeah um then again just ripping the heart out of a guy as a show of love is maybe not the best I mean shutting down the heart of somebody. I don't you know. say that, but that's how I proposed to my wife, so. Well, again, on a podcast, yeah. maybe don't say that. Oh. If... Well, I won't say who. Okay, good. Maybe uh, we're joking. Kevin did not commit murder. No, I did. Kevin. I didn't. Carrie New York, one unsolved, check <laughs> the unsolved mystery list. What if you do get charged with something? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be excited that a listener. <laughs> Thanks for paying attention to our podcast. Yeah. Hey, could you do the Insta push? Yeah, <laughs> Which we forgot to mention. Cold open. Cold open, everybody. Yeah, we got a cold open uh, coming. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll be like, ooh, do an Insta push uh, before you yeah. convict me. Um, so I, I, we've set our verdict right away, and we never changed it. <laughs> we respect the story. It's not as good as we wanted it to be. Probably something to do with pacing or real estate, and and possibly just Mark was ambitious and tackling a level of story he hadn't before. Maybe, but I, I was into it, and I definitely I think I liked it more than Kevin. And I seems like it, and um, it was special, and I I love that it exists, and I, I'm I'm impressed that Marvel let it happen, and I but I almost wish Grunwald went farther and did it outside of Marvel and let it be his own universe. Yeah, I mean, which probably wasn't really an option at that time. Yeah, I guess that's just something you couldn't do, like Uh, pre-digital printing. I kind of just wish that they were like, let's let this go as long as it needs to go. Maybe this would have run like 35, 40 issues. But what were the sales? Like, we don't know. I don't know, but like, most Marvel comics ran a while. Like, I don't know. What didn't run 30 or 40 (laughs) issues in the 80s? I don't
1: know.
0: Things Mm -hmm. didn't get canceled. I mean... Cloak and Dagger ran a while and like I love Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, but like that can't sustain a series of right, right, sense, right. right? Like a lot of books like just ran for a while. So I feel like it could have run thirty issues. Easy. It could yeah. have run another year. Yes. And I think it would have been better for it. Yes, I agree. Um so all right, well that's our coverage of Squadron Supreme, guys. We did it. Uh, we're we're going to come back next week with uh, uh, some cosmic rays and correspondence, mm-hmm. which means we'll be covering John Burns' FF. That's right. And reading some emails. We've gotten a bunch of emails about uh, Squadron Supreme. If you want to write us... Screwitcomics at gmail.com. That's right. We also have an Instagram, Screwitcomics, which we set in our cold open, we want that Screwit insta-push to still happen. Yeah. And... Um, And we got a Twitter account, Screw It Comics. Twitter's still happening, we think. And um, as long as it's around, I'll keep posting on it, I guess. So, yeah. And um, so please email us about Squadron or comics or anything. We want more email, guys. So let us know your thoughts. And if you're like, tell us what you want us to cover. We, we have a lot of those already, yeah. but I'd be curious. If there's something, man, I'd love to hear the Milk go over this. Let, let us know. Should we say what we think we're going to do after? Yes, the, yes. The, our, we don't know how many Cosmic Rays and Correspondences we'll do. Two or three, I would Two guess. or three, yeah. Uh, there'll be a Christmas break in there at some point. Yeah, probably. Maybe, uh, maybe before. I don't, I don't know how the weeks work out, but. We have no way of knowing what's happening on our own podcast. We haven't looked at the schedule. We the might calendar. take a week off. Uh, We'll probably take a week off around Christmas. There'll be some cosmic rays and correspondence. So probably early next year, we're going to cover. And this was a reader suggestion. We didn't look up who suggested it, but I think we're going to cover the all the debuts of the Silver Age Marvel Marvel Age. Yeah, right. So Iron Man's first issue, Ant Man's first issue, Thor's first issue, Daredevil, Uh, X Men. Like we'll make a list because there's such a huge. They become such important characters. Yeah. Many of them started quite differently than they ended up. The quality of stories varies wildly amongst those. From Amazing Fantasy 15, truly one of the best origin stories still in superhero history, to like uh, The Avengers number one, which I think is nuts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So So it'll be fun. We're going to cover the the ones that are new characters, so we're not going to do like Inhumans number one or Submariner number one. We're not going to do spinoffs. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to just be doing the ones that are... Brand new Marvel characters for this Marvel age. We still have other pl- we still have a lot of stuff on the hopper that we want to cover too, mm-hmm. so that stuff's gonna be coming too. But we, we are easily swayed by enough emails. That's why we covered Squadron Supreme. So you can affect us. B- boss us around. Yeah. We are weak. Yeah. We're the milksops. So <laughs> you should have no problem. If you're, <laughs> I guess, yeah, we lived up to our name. If you're General Ross Do Thunder- Squadron Supreme, okay. Uh, uh, all right. You milksop. All right, General Ross. Yeah. I built your bomb. <laughs> That's my impression of Bruce Banner. That's his voice? Oh, okay. Built your What's the Hulk bond. sound like? What's the Hulk? Oh, Hulk Smash. <laughs> oh, same, same voice? Same, same, uh, same guy, bonner. right? <laughs> I guess so. Hulk Smash, I'm going to smash you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, everybody. See you next episode. Bye. <laughs> skull it. Skull it. We're just talk about comics. comics.